Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Darren Everson. Darren is currently the hitting coordinator of the Colorado Rockies. In this episode, he takes us through his own journey as a player, starting out at in independent baseball. He was able to get signed to go play around Montreal Expos for a little while. Then he got into coaching, and he has a, a great coaching journey where as he's gone from affiliated baseball with the Marlins to independent baseball as a manager and talks a little bit about some of the differences between those two. And then he transitions eventually into becoming a manager for the Colorado Rockies and their organization and now the hitting coordinator. Um, some highlights of the episode, he actually was able to bring his son, Jared, along with him for the entire season in 2016 when he was managing in A and talks a little about that experience. Um, we get into some hitting philosophy, uh, mental game techniques, um, just all around. I, I'm a huge fan of Darren's. I've uh, known him for a few years now, and um, he's just he's awesome. He really is just as a person, and I've learned so much from him as a hitting coach too. He actually has uh, multiple hitting camps. Darren does, has multiple hitting camps in January and February in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. And all other registration for those are on his website. He also offers remote learning lessons for hitters looking to get private instruction through Zoom or FaceTime. And he's also able to speak to a travel organization or team about hitting or other aspects of the game. So if you're interested in working with Darren in any capacity, whether it's his camps, whether it's private instruction via Zoom or FaceTime, or it's speaking to your travel baseball organization, head to his website, EliteBaseballAcademy.com. And again, I can't emphasize enough, I'm a huge fan of Darren. I put my name right behind his, and I endorse anything that he endorses. He, he's, he's one of the best. He really is. This episode is brought to you by Marv Band. Marv Band is an outstanding product that I use for pretty much all of my hitters. And what it essentially is, is it's, it's, it's just a band with two grip, two handles. And you can do movement prep. You can do arm care with it. It's something that is great because so much, so many times in hitting, you know, as soon as you pick up the bat, you do the baseball thing right away. And so when we're trying to get hitters to learn new movements, it's best to put down the bat, pick up another um, object, whatever it be. In this case, for me, it's the Marv Band, and I, I can't recommend this enough just because, again, it's so simple. It's so easy. Um, you know, all the drills and things come with the actual Marv Band when you do buy it. And if you go to marvtraining.com, you can purchase it, or you can now go to Dick's and, and buy it too. So Marv Training, huge fan of the Marv Bands. Um, if you have any other questions about them, please reach out, and I'll put that link in the show notes too for Marv Training. So ladies and gentlemen, here is Darren Everson. All right, we now welcome on Darren Everson, hitting coordinator of the Colorado Rockies. Darren, thanks for coming on today. Hey, man, it's great to be on your show. I, I love uh, all the content you've thrown out there. It's been really, really good and just uh, thrilled to be with it. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I actually, I, I don't, I never told you this story, but and I saved this to, to tell it to you on the air. But I don't know if you remember the first time we actually met was at Slugfest and 
I, I, that was when I, I literally hadn't even started coaching yet or anything. It was 2018, I believe. And yep. I went downstairs like 7 a.m. in the morning. I like ate breakfast. This, it was a pretty big table. You were at the table already. And I honestly just thought you were just a high school coach or a dad or something. Like, I had no idea. I didn't know anything or anybody. And uh, you're like, you came up and was like, do you work for Patrick Jones, like in his podcast? And I, I, I tell everyone that story. I was like, you had me by the heart when you told me that. I was like, Wait, people listen to this podcast? And then I, I, didn't, I still didn't know when, after you said that. And then I went to the Slugfest, and I saw you up there sitting up front. I was like, that's interesting, because you didn't have any, any Rockies gear on or anything. And so even after I left there, I still didn't know who you were. And then it wasn't until I just saw your picture somewhere. You were on another podcast somewhere. I was like, wait. Like, this dude was the hitting coordinator. Like, that was unbelievable. But I, was, I tell people that. I was like, Darren had me by the heart, by the hand, when he told me that at 2018 at Slugfest. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I remember exactly. I remember that. I was with Joel Barta at the time. And uh, I remember that uh, very vividly. And, and just because I remember the content you would, that you'd already been throwing out there. And I was like, man, there's some good stuff on that. And I saw your – there's a polo or something with it. With yeah, the, with yeah, the yeah, stuff yeah. On, right? Yeah, and I was like, man, that that's that's cool. So it was, uh, and that was a great. That slugfest was really good, wasn't it? That, that, oh, that was incredible, incredible. <clears throat> Very cool. A lot of lot of big dudes, big heavy dudes there. Uh, as big a dudes on stage as there was in the stands, and that was the coolest part for that one. It was a, a special time. Yeah, no, that was, I learned a ton at that one in uh, in Missouri that year. But but uh, yeah, looking up some of you know your own bio and and where you've been, you've been a, a little bit everywhere. And I, it, really intrigued me to see that you were in the frontier league too uh foreign freedom is not too far from where i live now and i I tried out for them like eight times and never made the team once but uh it's a really good league the frontier league is really really good baseball i'm sure you know that firsthand what what are the differences that you saw in the frontier league versus affiliate baseball like are there really any differences it's good competition yeah, good competition. A lot of it comes down to who's managing the club and how they're how they kind of run their ship. It's probably the the easiest way to define that. Because uh, I came from the Marlins uh, into the Frontier League, and actually, uh, if you go back way back, if you go back to the way back machine, uh, actually, my first year playing pro ball was 1993. With that's that. right, I read that. Yeah, and uh, in in that league, it was honestly um, kind of like yourself. Went to a Northern League tryout. Um, did well at any high school for a couple of years and went to a, a tryout there and ended up going, they told me about this league and I was like, okay, let's, I'll go check it out. Went there, things went well and hit 300. That got me into with the Montreal Expos the next year. But, uh, so I've had a few, few years of experience in that league and, um, it was, uh, you know, managing in the league after coming from managing three years with the Marlins, it was, uh, it was really how you ran the ship and everyone was really different. The guys that came from affiliated ball was, it was very structured, very, you know, BP, but still trying to, you know, still trying to let the, the players play and all that stuff. Um, you know, some, some were at the time, this is a long time ago now when I managed that league uh, 11 years ago now, 10 years ago now um, that, uh, you know, the, the baseball itself was really good. Very, very comparable to uh, the South Atlantic League, which is the league that I, I came into. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that I actually went after to try to sign were, were from that league or the New York Penn League where I managed and was a hitting coach as well. So, um, you know, trying to get the best players that are consistent. And, and the cool part about that league is that, and, and I think still is, is that uh, the opportunity it gives players. The opportunity that if you go there and if you perform, 
there's enough pub out there that people respect the league that they'll actually, you know, in hopefully you get you get that second chance or, or first chance for a lot of guys to get into affiliated ball to continue their career. And that was a lot of my my talk with players was when I talked to guys that have been released, I was like, hey man, I've been there. I was a guy was a back and forth guy, independent guy to affiliated ball guy and my I want to win. I want to do things that, the right way, but I also want to get you back into, into uh, um, you know, affiliated baseball. And and I got a lot of guys that way, and, and we we worked that that route as much as we could, and got a lot of guys back. It was fun. Well, being a manager in, the, in independent ball, though, it it seems so cutthroat. I mean, I'm sure you know you're releasing guys and signing guys. It seems like every day. I mean, how hard was that to? to have to make those decisions because you have to, because you have to win. That's the difference between you have to. indie ball and affiliate yeah. ball. You have to win. For sure. And, you know, back in the day, back then, um, the toughest part was spring training because you brought guys in and you're hoping that guys would be good and hoping guys would fit in and here and there. And you had to draft certain, so many guys out of the draft that you had. Uh, so what I tried to do is with all the players, and I gave everyone an opportunity to go to, to your stomping grounds, I believe, the, the Pecos League, uh, was, so if I could not get a guy that was going to either sign with us or move on to another team within the league, I always try to connect them out to the Pecos League to at least get them uh, some type of, you know, you've been there so you can talk even more about it. But the but to get a chance to be that uh, independent professional player that might be able to come back into the Frontier League. And a lot of guys did that. They went down there, they put up some numbers and came back, uh, whether it was me or, or another team. And, you know, just tried to find that climb, uh, you know, that ability to perform, perform, perform. And, and those guys, you know, the one thing you knew you had to do, and you knew you knew this too, is that you had to perform. And yeah. if you performed, you had you at least gave yourself a chance to get picked up. If you didn't perform, it didn't matter anyway. So um, uh, that's that was what I tried to do. I tried to, you know, try to let people continue to live that dream out if they wanted to and if they had the fire to keep going. Yeah, I, I unfortunately did not perform. I was one of those guys. And But to – your point I mean I played with guys in the Pecos League who did dominate and did perform they got opportunities to go to higher leagues so I mean even even you're making 57 dollars a week playing out in the Pecos League you go out there and dominate you'll get a chance I mean you'll get a chance they've had big leaguers come from that league as crazy as it sounds I mean they really have so I mean I'm sure yeah it's just it's fun to talk to someone else who knows a little about independent baseball I, I I really do love it and um, you know, I think it's awesome that you, you, someone was lucky enough to play for you as a manager because I know you, you did the guys right. And that's not always the case, but um, I'm sure I know you definitely did. So what just transitioning a little bit, when you started becoming more of like, I know you've been a manager and a hitting coach and I've been able to talk to, uh, you know, Drew Saylor, for example, is a hitting coordinator of the Royals and he's managed and been a hitting coach. And I, I kind of think that it gives you a little bit of an advantage now being a hitting coordinator to having been now a hitting coach and a manager both. Cause I feel like you see the game from a different light, a different lens. Uh, would you agree with that? 100 uh, percent the perspective that you get as a manager the perspective you get as a hitting coach um, and, and as a hitting coordinator they're they're all different perspectives right when you go into manage you have you're you're trying to make sure that you're hitting all of your affiliated needs for the players uh, trying to make sure that uh, you are that you have the right guys in the lineup you have the right guys getting their bats and you're still able to move and maneuver guys into getting enough playing time, the guys that are the role players within your squad, 
um, and, and trying to make that full picture work. And then also uh, the biggest part probably is, is making sure that pitching staff uh, stays healthy, stays fresh. The guys you're going to use on a certain day, especially like in a, the lower levels, uh, you get that, uh, you know, you get certain things that are, that are sometimes dictated to you and sometimes you can, you, you just go and try to win the game. Um, but the, the idea, the perspective you have as a manager where it's all encompassing, the hitting coach, you come in and man, it's, it's about your 12 or 13 guys. And I love that part of it. I mean, I love the managing part too. I love that. The whole side of it is, is fun because it's, uh, you get to kind of put your manager hat on or your hitting coach hat on, or now your my coordinator hat on. But the hitting the hitting coach is like, man, we need to do this. This guy needs to he, – every time a guy steps in the box, and you can you can relate to this where it's like, man, I, I, I hope he gets that good pitch. I, I hope they leave it up for him because we know he can't touch this pitch or that pitch. It's like, is this a good matchup? Is it not a good matchup? Uh, and then as a hitting coordinator, you're kind of looking over the whole thing. Um, you know, it's – you're coaching the, the hitting coaches and you're, you also know all the strengths and weaknesses of your hitters, uh, where they're at, where they're at mentally, where they're at, or, or at least where you hopefully have a good grasp on that. But that ability to be able to um, see it from those different, different avenues allows for great conversation. I, the best conversations for me are in the dugout, uh, even with the other coaches, the staff on the team, uh, as a as a coordinator, the players when when they come off and and they have specific questions, uh, and you, as you know, young guys love to go to the mechanical side of it and trying to get them off that mechanical side and understand that it's compete time. It's go see the pitch and, and go hit. Um, you know, it's 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 fun and different, and it's uh, you know it's been a nice a nice progression for me. And the managing part definitely helped me with the coordinating piece simply because of all the organizational stuff you do, not that hitting coaches aren't organized, but the overall uh, piece of being organized as a manager definitely shows up as a coordinator. And uh, being a hitting coach, it, it's you have to be organized with your guys and really be locked in and communicate well to all the people that are involved in helping him get better for that day. That's, you know, the whole idea is, am I getting my players better? How am I getting them better? How are they doing mentally on and off the field? and then giving that information to the managers and, and other people that, are, that need it. Is there one you prefer? Like if, if you're in a dugout, if you're in the dugout and you could only be a hitting coach or a manager, is there one you would prefer? Ooh, good question. <clears throat> is there one that I prefer? Um, I guess I I'm really asking, drive. like, do you like dealing with pitchers or not? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I love the, I love the strategy of, uh, of managing – uh, especially when, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, managing in the national league, you getting to double a managing in double a and, and having national league games, American league game series and having them go back and forth. That, that part is fun. The American league series always seem to be a little bit less, uh, uh, you know, mine, <laughs> a little bit less, uh, like sitting down at your desk and actually organizing all the little things that could happen. Cause in the American league, it's, you got the DH, so there's a lot less things you have to worry about. So, but but the fun part in then in managing the National League game, man, was playing two or three innings ahead. You know, playing ahead of the game the whole time, and my mind still works that way as we go into it. But um, the you know, I love that side of the managing piece. But with the hitting side, man, when I, when I came back to the hitting hitting coach after I managed for a few years, um, it was wonderful to get back in the cage and, and really be back in the grind back with the grind with the players trying to you know make it as simple as possible and understand that 
their everything that they do is the most important thing to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it is, the swing is so individual. The swing is so, uh, it's the, been their swing for so long and you're just there to try to help him along the way to get a little bit better. And if you lead him down the wrong road uh, or get too in depth with some things that may not be as important to him or try to push him down that road that he's not willing to go down, it's, uh, it, it's something that people can, can get, definitely get stuck on. So um, that's the intricacies of being that good hitting coach, I think, is understanding the players and understanding what buttons you can push and where you can actually drive them to. But one of my favorite things or things is just being, you know, on a bowling alley, man, you got to be those bumpers for them because the ultimate end goal is still, still to hit those pins the right way, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, how yeah. you get there and how you, you, you know, you don't want them going back and forth on so many things. Can you make it simple so they can just go out and compete and, and hopefully get a pitch that they can drive? Yeah, that's really good stuff right there. And kind of give when you were talking about just being simple with them. I find I some I have struggled in the past sometimes of of you know you see something wrong with a player like you want to tell it to him right away, and then like okay they're working on it and you keep throwing a BP or whatever, and then you see something else and it's like oh I want to oh I need to it's like having the discipline to just shut up you know it's it's hard. So true. I've used those exact words with our hitting coaches. Hey. Sometimes the best times you as a coach is learn how to be quiet, learn how to shut up. And some players will test you too. Some players will try to see if you're that guy. If it's the first time that you're going to run into them or work with them or be in the cage with them or, you know, minor league camp, big league camp, whatever it is, you know, and they start dropping, what do you see? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? It's like, I just, I'm not ready to let you know yet. I, I want to watch. I want to observe. I want to really see. Because the one thing that as hitting coaches, you got one shot, man. You got one shot to make your first impression on that guy. And if the first thing you're doing is, and you've seen him for six swings and man, if you just, if you put your hands here, I play it, you know, I had this guy that did this or I did it this way or whatever. Uh, and then really like, you know, get the, get your body to land in this position. Cause if you do this, you can do X, Y, and Z. And, and you're looking at him at six swings in yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's going and, and, the, the sad part is, is some of the young guys go, yeah, 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 let's do that, let's, let's go. And the older guys are doing it trying to test you. Like, all right, okay, is this, what, what, what can I actually share with this, this guy? You know, the trust goes both ways. And it's so important to be able to have that first impactful uh, conversation with them about whether it's hitting or movement or whatever you're talking about that you see and you, you might be holding on to six things you might be holding on to five things and then you went back and went back and then and you found two other items that you can actually use numbers on and you bring them and you're like okay I'm ready now doesn't mean I got to go today but at some point you know the talk is we're going to have this talk and if he's not ready for it then it's just bad timing so much right. of coaching so much of being a hitting coach is a timing piece uh, when you're actually going to share information with them are they ready for it? Do they want it? Um, you know, and there's some guys that they might be doing a couple, three, four things that you're going, man, that is, that is, there's going to be some changes we have to make, but I'm telling you, the guy's just raking yeah. <laughs> and you, you kind of have to let it roll and, and, and see if it does. And, and because as you're finding out, you know, so many of the guys that we deal with in pro ball, man, they're great compensators and they might, they might be doing something that they've done for years that has been a, you know, people have talked to them about, but it, it's it's what they do when they get in the box and it works for them because for whatever reason, it's uh, 
you know, whether they're, they're built differently or whether it's something that they, they really truly believe in or it's a feel that they have. And if you go in there and mess some of that stuff up, that mojo that you, that you, that you might be messing with a little bit could definitely go sideways. So um, one, of the, one of the things I always talk to our hitting coaches about is, hey, don't be afraid to be quiet and listen and, and, and hear. Really, really listen to actually uh, learn. Don't listen to just be ready to say something back. And as a younger coach, man, I was that way for sure, for sure, you know, and, and, uh, and sometimes you have to step yourself back and go, oh, okay, so, yeah. Yeah, it, and it's, my mind goes to, too, just hearing you talk about that, I think that's some of the differences between coaching in pro ball in the team setting and then being in the private sector, too, right, because if they're going to the private sector, it's just it's a different landscape they they want to know it, it sometimes can feel even transactional with uh, you know older players professional players so it, it's kind of you have to have that self-awareness like okay where am I right now like what's the setting okay I'm gonna have to see this guy every single day for the next month or six months whatever it is like so I don't need to, to do all that right now and I've had to do that myself um, just literally for those reasons that I was just explaining, like private sector versus team, it's just, it's different. It's not one's necessarily better than the other, but it, it is different. For sure. And, and if you have the opportunity to, and, you, and you have maybe even your pro guys in the off season, that's totally different too. That's definitely yeah. more like the private sector, um, you know, cause they're there for you. They, they came to actually be there with you or wanted to work with you or whatever. Um, and they're, you know, they're trying to get information from you. And the whole idea is, can you, can you give them enough information? Can you create an environment that you drop a couple things on them and then they go, Oh, so that means like this, or that means, Oh, if I do this, then this will, and you're like, yep, that's the one. And so trying to give them, you know, 30 to 40% of the information so they can jump to the other part of the 60 and really gain it themselves. Mm. They're going to become a better hitting coach themselves for them because honestly, uh, you know, if a guy, let's say, goes through a whole minor league and hits every level and he goes to the big leagues and plays six, seven years, the chances of him having three hitting coaches is really slim. Yeah. He's going to have 15 hitting coaches telling, telling him uh, 15 different things or, or a combination of such. And for him to be able to understand that that process that he knows works for him because he's, he's taken stuff from all these different coaches and different teammates and players and older guys – uh, he knows that that works for him. If he knows that something works for him, we need to grow it. We need to, we need to let that bloom into what's really important for that guy because that is what his confidence is attached to. And if you go in that batter's box without confidence, man, whew, well, it's a, it's a, as, as we both know, it's just a yeah. really tough game. I th think that was just terrific advice of, of giving him 30 to 40% of, of the answer and letting him figure out their ex – I mean, that is just – that's great advice, honestly. It makes so much sense, but I've just – I've never heard it explained like that, but I, I love that. Um, it, yeah, I mean, besides just giving them everything they need, they maybe even just need to know, just giving them enough to let them go, figure it out, and now you're coaching them to be their own hitting coach. And, yeah, I love that. Um, one of the other uh, cool things I was – like I was saying, I was, I was reading up a little bit is I saw when you were managing, I think it was 2016 up in New Hampshire – um, your son Jared was with you. You were homeschooling him. Uh, that, <laughs> yes, that's sir. is that not a dream scenario? Like that's like <laughs> that's I mean that's a kid's dream. Like, oh, how man. was that? 
it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, you know, the whole idea was the plan was we're going into Hartford's brand new stadium. It was going to be this perfect year, right? In 2016, uh, he was going to, go, he was basically, a, he'd, he'd finish his seventh grade year. And uh, we were just, you only have one shot to do stuff like this, right? And I was like, you know what? The Rockies were great about it. And I was like, we're going to, we're going to go in the first half we'll travel and the second half we'll be, in, we'll be in Hartford and, and he's going to get to be in this brand new, beautiful stadium and, and just be around it and, and hit and throw and do all these things with the guys and myself. And uh, it was number one for dad and son. I, <laughs> opportunity was awesome. And all spring training too, by the way. Um, and I mean, just every part of it was great. And then, then we didn't go, we didn't get to go into Hartford stadium. We were, we were the 2016, we were the Hartford road goats. And, uh, so we went 140 without, without playing one home game in our ballpark. (laughs) And, uh, so, so he spent, not only did he spend the whole idea was the half a year was going to be spent on the East coast, just driving, you know, riding up and down the coast, but it ended up being the whole summer and uh, all the hotels and all the, all the different weight rooms that he went into and stuff like that. But he was basically a, you know, a pseudo minor league player just because he was always going to the gym and always going here. And, and by the, by about mid season, shoot, he'd go to have lunch with the guys separately. I, I wasn't even involved anymore. Really. It wow. was just, it was that piece and that process. And the cool part was we were loaded I and mean, we played, a, we played, you know, I think it was just under 140 games. Uh, we had some different double headers and schedules that we had because of the, our weird schedule that we had to deal with. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things that, I think we were nine games over 500 and, and we were, we were had all those road games and the whole pitching staff and a, and a handful of a lot of the hitters were in the big leagues two years later. So, I mean, it was just really cool to see that process and how the guys had to go through it and fight through that process and understand what really became important to them. Cause I'm telling you, if the, if the game, <laughs> if the game wasn't real important to you or if it, you didn't love it, you're in it for the wrong reasons. That was the wrong place to be for that, uh, that entire summer. And, and our guys were great about it. We, we, I only remember two or three games where we actually played like we knew that it was, it was just bad games. And it was, it was the time that we had to tell them that, that uh, officially we're not going to be going to Hartford. Like we're not going to play there. And mm-hmm. we knew a little bit, you know, it's, and so, and they were down, of course, right? Because everyone had, you know, girlfriends and wives and people and families that were made, you know, all these trips. And, and, but after that, man, they were right back on it and the game was the game and, and Jared was fortunate to short fortunate, fortunate enough to be there. And we got to see some interesting things, bro. We're going to, we're going to Binghamton for a 15 game set. We're going to New Hampshire. We're going to play eight or nine games there and play two or three different teams and some weird double headers. And, and uh, to talk about experience, it was great. It was, it was different. It was weird. It was, but it was fun. And it was, uh, we were definitely the road goats that year. Did did Jared did he ever make comments like or just did you ever get the vibe that he's like whoa I didn't know it was like this I didn't know it was gonna be like this I think he didn't know what he didn't know you yeah. know kind of like we all get into situations like as we continue to move up the game and we don't know what it's like in Double A until you're in Double A as a coach or or Triple A as a coach or Big Leagues or whatever or even A ball for that matter and so it was it was just I remember the awe part of it at the beginning. Some of that wears off because he's been to multiple spring trainings in a row, but to actually be there and the travel and I had a couple pictures of him on the bus doing his homework 
you know. <laughs> and one of our packs was if as long as he got these certain books read by, I think it was uh, in the, or some point in May, I remember, then he could be done for the rest of the season. So um, I know that was one of his goals, and we get that done so he could just go be a baseball player basically for the yeah. summer. So, um, but it's cool and it's it's uh, full circle and 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 uh, have him do that. I mean, it just. I think it really helped build the love for the game for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing a great job. He's just committed to Minnesota now, and he's uh, in a really good place and going to a great school with great coaches, and, and I'm excited for, for him and his future. He wants to stay in the game, and, and uh, that's a lot of fun as a dad to see that happen. Yeah, I was going to actually bring that up next. I mean, congrats on, on that commitment. That's, that's big time. I mean, that's, you know, Big Ten baseball. That's huge. Um, and since you're, you're on here, I wasn't even planning on really talking about this, but it just kind of came up naturally with all the travel baseball and recruiting and you having a son who just committed to go play at a Big Ten school. I mean, what advice would you give to people out there listening? I mean, did, was Jared going to showcases? Like, what was he doing? I mean, he obviously had a clear, huge advantage because, I mean, heck, in seventh grade, he was with his dad in double A for an entire year. I mean – but I mean, just yeah. from a recruiting standpoint, like what, what should people do? Great question, bro. Great question. Because I'll tell you what, I'm still, uh, and I've told uh, this to multiple people. I've never been a big travel ball guy, but travel ball is definitely something you have to do when you realize that your kid is like, he's good enough, that he needs to go and get challenged and he needs to go play and he needs to go do something and he needs so we, we had some unique things. Um, his, we didn't do, he didn't do any showcases until his sophomore year. Um, didn't play travel ball until his sophomore really? year. Really? Um, yeah, he was, I thought he was going to be a basketball guy and, and loved basketball and was, he was a varsity basketball player as freshman and, and, and freshman and sophomore year in, in high school. And, and I thought that was going to be kind of the route. And, but the, the, you know, the little seeds that were planted back in the day kept, they started growing. And I tell you, it is, uh, it's been a fun experience, but yeah, he went to his first showcase sophomore year. Um, and, uh, went to two of them, got a ton of love. I mean, he's at the time he's six, two and he's 185 pounds at the time walking into the Beautiful building. Swing, no one... By the way, beautiful swing. <laughs> well, I'll tell him that it's, it's, uh, he's really worked hard at it. And, the fun part was, was is that he always kind of had this move in the swing that he's had. And all we've done over the years is just tighten, tighten, tighten. We just tighten it up, tighten little things to make it more compact, trying to make it more efficient, um, uh, which has its challenges at times. But the cool part is so far, um, I, don't, I don't have too many looks like, oh, that's just dad being dad. So yeah, it's, yeah but it's going to happen. But, um, but it's uh, one of those things that uh, it's just cleaning up and letting, kind of letting the game dictate what needed to be adjusted. Um, but he, had, he, he got a lot of love. And, I mean, he's, he's a big body walking into showcase. Nobody knew who he was because he never played travel ball and never, never done a showcase before. And lots of love. And Minnesota was one of the first teams that were on him. And, and uh, um, he, you know, getting to know the coaching staff. I grew up in Minnesota. Didn't know anybody on the staff. But uh, the idea of, him playing close was fun for mama <laughs> because it's, it's two and a half hours from our house uh, being here in Wisconsin. And, and so that's great. But the whole idea is um, with him was, okay, so we slowly got him into a couple uh, tournaments um, um, kind of with this Wisconsin impact team that was here in Western Wisconsin. And then finally last summer, 
it worked out. Like I came home from spring training in March and he was going to play with this, with this group anyway, uh, going into after his junior year. But um, he played for, and it, he played for this, uh, the state team down in uh, the, the PBR team. Um, I forget what it's called now. The future games is what it's called. And he met these kids from the sticks Academy in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And the, lo and behold, they're, they had a bunch of D1 commits and all that stuff. And the one position they didn't have was first base. Mm. And it worked out. He's like, hey, who's, you know, could we do this? Could we? And I was like, well, let's find out some information. And it found out that Sean Smith is the guy running it. Sean Smith and I played pro ball together back oh. in the day. And I had no idea. And it's three hours away from here. So uh, that was his, that was his, honestly, his first legit. He played in Jupiter two years. But the first time he played from beginning to end of a full team and a full season of travel ball was this past year with the, with the Sticks Academy. And it was great. It was great. He, you know, the, what we need to understand, I guess, as parents and coaches is our kids need to go out and play, but they also need to train. And they need to train on what they need to get better at. But they also need to understand that they need to go out and fail. They need to go out and fail so you know what to get better at and let the game kind of dictate what's going on with that. Um, Love exit velocity as you do. I mean, it's you can't argue with 95 plus, so right. So, but it's one of those things too that you got to learn how to hit, you got to learn how to be adjustable. You, when you prove you can hit that pitch, now it's a matter of can you hit the off speed pitches and can you land in balance? Can you do your things to do the right to, to learn that when you, when you make a mistake, that later on you're going to see that same pitch again, can you actually hit it again? The, that hitability piece and. Um, you know, on the offensive side, and then not forgetting about the defense, the defense and the, and the, and the moving around and, and trying to make your son or make your people that you work with on an individual basis, that well-rounded player. So when coaches see him, they're like, hey, this, this is someone we need to go after and we can, I can see us improving this and improving that. And then COVID happened. And the best thing to get ever, I mean, COVID is the worst thing in the world, right? But in terms of with him and I, or a dad and a, and a kid being able to get together. And I didn't have any other job at the time yeah. because we're back home from the season. We literally were on the field five to six times a week from basically March to September. Wow. And all the, a lot of the development time that I knew he needed. And, and when you, you've been around the game a long time, it's like, well, I know he's got to do this, this, and this, and we were we had to spend all that time doing that. It was it was remarkable and, and fun, and and I I pissed him off multiple times, and I'm sure he I'm, there's multiple times where I'm like what? And but in terms of the development that it, that he needed, it was great. And the, the kids that took advantage of the COVID time and didn't go woe is me and didn't go into corner and but actually got out there and was able to find something to do to get better on a daily basis or a, a weekly basis. I really think some of those guys, when it all breaks free here, because there's still so many restrictions on kids and playing and all that stuff, there's going to be a, a big jump of some of the players that really dove into what was what they needed and got better at and during that time are going to leapfrog some guys that are probably, as you know, the, the ranked and states and all that stuff that uh, is, is – we that would be a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah, it's like a, a whole <laughs> – literally a whole podcast. Yeah, <laughs> podcast. But it's the guys, the kids that took advantage of the time are, are going to find and really reap some good benefits uh, down the road. And, and Jared's fortunate enough to go to a Power Five school, which uh, the Big Ten and the in Minnesota just you know they start they're starting to churn out some players. So I'm I'm yeah. excited for him. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome stuff. Um, 
Yeah, again, congrats to him on that. That's that's big time. Um, so you would you essentially recommend like you don't need to really do anything until you're a sophomore. I know everyone's different, and I get all that. Yeah, I, mean, I was just I was just against paying so much money to play travel ball. To be honest with you. Like the, the Wisconsin Impact team was basically a couple dads that said, hey, we're multi-sport athlete guys, and there's nothing in the western side of the state of Wisconsin. And would you be willing to work some guys out that started when he was like in eighth grade? I was like, yeah, shoot, let's get together. We'll do this. And, and then, you know, we I think it was like 20 bucks or something like that, and we just did it. We reserved space, and we went and played in, indoors and finally got to the point where the guy kind of like what we're talking about, he played with a lot of older guys, so it would have been, you know, the older group the 2020s and it was like you know what it's time to go play and i said okay we figured out a coach that coach is now a manager in the minnesota twins system i mean wow. it, it, the, like so just some cool things that happened within that and we played a couple tournaments every every summer and it wasn't heavy and they paid for their uniforms and, and split the costs on the tournament and they went and played and and the guys got exposure and from there guys went on to play different teams and you know like Jared did, and, and shoot, we probably had, you know, 16 to 18 guys on the squad, and probably 12 of them are playing in college now Whoa. or have signed. So, I mean, you know, it's and that was from Western Wisconsin just not having anything. There, there wasn't a big academy place to go to, and that would, that would have changed everything. But um, instead of driving three hours for practice, you know, um, we were able to do some stuff in-house. And so it really depends on the situation. I, I, I tell you one thing for sure. I have a, I have a 13-year-old daughter, too, that's going to be a really good player, a softball player. And I don't want to see her play until she's 15, to be honest with you, in yeah. travel ball or 16. But then there's other people that really want to stay with the Joneses. And they, they, it just started at 12, and they went to 13 and 14. I think maybe a message I can send to the parents is it's okay to step back. As long as you step back and stop playing, but you train and let them go play other sports, let them go see what they're good at. I mean, Jared played freshman football. Shoot, he didn't play fresh. He didn't play football since he was a fourth grader and he played as a freshman. So, I mean, to figure out, you know, it's okay for a, a kid to go play in another sport that maybe they're not as good at, too. Like, and there, there's some real per, uh, perception value that can be, you know, one with that. So, you know, the situation is, is different with people and the commitments are so young with age and all that stuff. I, I get it. Um, I just wasn't keen on trying to spend so much money to make it happen. And Jared had some of the other advantages of going to spring training and having, you know, having me around and, or, you know, we, we work in academy all off season. So he's in camps with me a ton. And, and so, you know, everyone's path and route is different. I just didn't want to spend a fortune trying to figure out what he needed to do or what, who knows what type of player he could be. And then he goes to a school that doesn't even offer scholarships and say you spent $60,000 and now he's going to a school that you're paying for school anyway. That's, you know, if you're doing it to try to let the player have fun to go play and, and you're, you can financially afford it and you're not doing it because, Hey, if he gets that scholarship in baseball, we're all set. It's not, that's not how it works because that's not how it works in baseball with the, with the limited scholarships. It is what it is. You get a percentage of, of whatever it is and, and you move on. And, and uh, you know, I think there's so many, if a kid wants to play college baseball and he's got a general idea of how to play and he's got some athleticism, there's a place for everyone to play that can do that. Whether it's a junior college level, whether it's different levels of play, um, I think the parents just need to be realistic on where they're at and, you know, everyone keeps getting better every year, let's hope. But, you know, sometimes it's, 
if you're doing it just to try to get a scholarship or just try to stay up with the Joneses, it's really not worth it. If it's replacing what we used to, or at least I used to play was all, all, uh, you know, town ball within your town ball within your little area and, and small star stuff, then that's great. Let them go play. Cause we want, we want them to play. Yeah. We just, I don't want to pay a fortune to let them play. Yeah. And that's great, great advice there. Just all across the board. I'd, again I didn't even think of that question but I'm, I'm glad you know that just came up organically that's going to help out a ton of people another thing that I see a lot now and um, you you have more experience on this than me from a hitting standpoint but you see this with different even I've seen starting to see some showcases actually even do this too is these individualized player plans for these kids um, what are your thoughts on, on that I mean I guess uh, as a hitter, you know, we earlier we talked about how simple we need to, to make it because the game is so complex, hitting so hard. And yet, you know, you look at a player plan, there's like all this data and information. It's like, whoa, like what are we in focus on? What, like, what do you think on that? Well, I, I like, you know. Uh, I know you can't, you can't get into like specific because, you yeah. know, obviously. But just, I guess, maybe generalized, yeah. You know, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of like what Anthony Iposi, one of my good friends, uh, talks about, right? With the DJ talking to him, the hardest thing about hitting is hitting. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. And the game, you know, if a if a kid is dominating at a level and it's great and all that stuff, it moves well. And um, but the game tells us so much. If we allow the game to kind of give us our feedback, right? Um, a showcase can tell you what a maximum output is on something, whether I mean, I'll be honest with you. My son asked me after going to two or three showcases where he clipped 90 miles an hour on an exit velocity off a tee in front of a radar gun. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> good, actually, not, by the way. Yeah. When he's young, but it's like, it's not, there's plenty of guys I've seen that do that and clip it out that, that you know, 97, 98, whatever. And it's like, it's, it doesn't mean he can hit. Now it's it, it it's given him the max. It's given all the people around him the the max output of what he can do. But he actually asked me, "Dad, you got to show me how to cheat on that tee." Because I told him there's a way to cheat. <laughs> there's a way to cheat and a way to put a number up. And it's like, no, I'm never gonna. I'm never, and I still have not done it. But I think he figured out one one showcase. He clipped the 99 off a tee, and I was like, yeah, he figured oh. it out. And I watched I watched the video because I was videotaping him, and sure enough, he did figure some of it out. But he got it from someone else. He didn't get it from me. But, you know, that type of stuff, you get maximum output, you get exit velocity, you get some spin rate stuff, you get, you know, some stuff that's really valuable stuff or some base information. Then you got to watch him play. Um, can he play? Can he compete against better levels? That was the biggest thing with Jared. Small school, small Catholic school here in Wisconsin, private school that he goes to, you know, it's not – it's not the pitching isn't overwhelming within his level, so there was some learning curve stuff, and not only to go and make that transition some uh, some some games, but it's like man, if you're going to play at a high level, you have to play against good competition, and that's when travel ball to me becomes important because you actually get to go and be in in, in front of it and and get beat and get blown up and, yeah. and uh, and feel it for the first time to be able to feel that velocity on you that your long ass swing that worked before or works against your high school kid, high school people you're, you're facing. And it's like, okay, the game is telling me I need to make an adjustment. So you talked about the player plans. I think player plans are huge. Um, now how it's being developed, how it's being dictated to the player is also huge. If you, if, let's say you came to our showcase or a showcase and you hit 81 off the tee and all you're saying on the, the player plan is you need to hit it harder off the tee that's different and I don't you know 
Um, Jared's never had that player plan. It's it's kind of a new thing this next this year's popped up a little bit. But to the for the most part, it's like let the game let let you know if you're lower. I mean, use those percentiles the way you need to use them. Like if they're if they're fortunate that you know like uh, different organizations use a uh, you're in this percentile, you're in that percentile of people in your grade. Um, if there's something that direly needs to be like fixed or, or worked on, that is your focus. I mean, but for me, don't lose athleticism. Always, you, everyone can always be a little bit faster, <laughs> right? Um, everyone can always be a little more accurate and throw harder. Um, can we generate bat speed, but can we do it without effort? That's the biggest thing. I mean, you can swing really, really hard and do really, really well in a showcase and, and show up. But it's such a it's such a different uh, spectrum of what you do in a game to what your swing looks like in a game that uh, you know. And I know college coaches know this because they've been through all the all the processes of watching kids in a showcase and then having to go watch a kid play and then see if it matches up and that type of thing, even if it's on video. Um, but it's one of those things that if, it's good to get maximum <laughs> import or maximum output of, of a player but then to watch him play and, and can a player plan actually enhance that? And if it's enhancing athleticism and looseness and freedom, then yes, it can. If it's, if it's limiting those things and, and putting so many things into his mind that maybe uh, aren't great, like, you know, I told Jared, I said, you're, you're finally, you're like good enough now to you actually get to take some time off. You know, one of those things like <laughs> you get to take some time off after this fall, after this fall season was out, and now he's in his strength phase. And and the cool part is it's moved on to, and, and and a lot of guys are in these stages right now, and it's moved into, okay, you're you're a college baseball player now. We need you need to train like that, like the real. You thought you worked hard before, now the real work is really beginning because it's daily basis you're going to see those good arms that you saw in the showcases and in the uh, tournaments. You're going to see them every night every day so now that's why that's why hitters get better so much faster in college I think and even that first year of pro ball it's such a learning experience for a high school kid to come into pro ball the first year or a high school kid to go into college doesn't matter I don't care what level they played at the constant ability for a guy to throw anywhere from 85 to 95 on a nightly basis makes them so much better or it makes them wilt away one of the two yeah because you're going to be good you have to like it's like yep I have to get good at this and I have to get good at that. So in player plans, what, what truly is the game telling you you need to get better at and then fire away, man, and go attack it. Find people that can help you with it. I think, I think that's the biggest key. Yeah, that's awesome. Let the game be your feedback. I love that. Yeah. Now you just brought up, you know, your guys are going to get better as a hitter if going from college, like whether they go from high school to college or high school to pro ball with the NCAA restriction on how much you can actually work with players as a college coach in your opinion, is would it be more wise for a high school kid to go into pro ball from a development out of high school if they have that opportunity? Great question, man. Um, first of all, they got to be better. Yeah, <laughs> they got to be really good, right? First of all, they got to be really good. Um, they're definitely committed to a big school. They're you know, all that stuff, and and you know this this time right now for those high school players that that that, go, that are potentially going in a twenty one draft. This time right now is huge. Um, you know, you know, I, I hear, I hear stories of the guys that came out of Wisconsin the last couple of years, cause we've, the state's been pumping out some good players and everyone that all those guys that I talked to that are, you know, that are in that group, 
this offseason was the big one because they, they developed their – they finished – you know, not finished, but they really honed into their strength. They really honed into being more specific with their, their hitting and their throwing. And they were able to – and it showed up in the spring. And, and so what's better, what's worse? It, 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 you know, I think that the way um, what minor league baseball might be getting into with the long seasons and everything, right, um, I think there's some people that the college is going to be a better route just because it's going to be uh, – it's going to be uh, a little bit more – and they're still going to go and play, but it's going to be some more pro- progression that might work for that player. Uh, where in pro ball, you're going to, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I, I want to go throw them out there. I, I want to go see, I don't care. I mean, I care if they fail, but I don't, I don't want to be so shy with a guy like, man, I don't know if he can handle this, or I don't know if he can handle that. You know what? Let's send them. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's go. And is your kid, if your kid's good enough, you know, he's 14 years old, go play with a 16 year old team and find out. If, if he's good enough to go into, you know, um, you know, if you're kind of making that decision on what, where, where a young kid should go, it's like, you know, the, the, it's different with Pro Bowl and college because you're dealing with money, you're dealing with, yeah. uh, you're dealing with school. You're, I mean, that's such a, I, I can't answer that question. That, that's not really a fair question to the kid. It's because every situation is so different. They're both really good. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you're either yeah, going yeah. to a really good school or you're going to a pro, a pro team. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of value if a kid needs to grow up a little bit. I think there's value in both sides of it, depending on how it goes. But I think all kids need to, you know, they, they all need to mature the right way. And, and the idea is with tech and the stuff that we can do and, and with our eyes that we see as coaches, what's the best way to get this kid better as quick as we can and still be fundamentally strong and be efficient with what he does and then still love the game and not go, oh, I got to go work out. It's right. like, hey, I get to go work out, and I get to go to the gym, and I can't wait to go to the gym because I'm working chest and back today, and then I'm going to do some sprints, and I'm going to – that type of excitement. That's that's what I see with my son is that the excitement piece that I remember back in the day in college, that just the – man, the thrill of going to the cage and just going to hit as a player. Man, that, that was fun, and, and I get to see that with him and get to see that with some of his buddies that he that he's with. So um, every everyone's so different. I don't – I don't want to say, hey, go this way or go that way, because I think there's, it's, uh, it really depends. Yeah, speaking of, of getting burned out, I remember actually Anthony Iposi saying, we, we, we lose so many guys in the minor leagues because of them getting burned out. Um, so I think that's so true and really resonates. And um, this is actually – this is funny. I'm way over here getting ready for this podcast. I sometimes just like want to get my thoughts – Thoughts going a little bit. So I'll put on a podcast actually on my drive over to my cage. I knew I had you coming on today. I was like, okay, like this guy's got experience. Like he's been around a little bit. Like what, you know, let me, let me try and put on a little Pete Carroll. So I found a Pete Carroll podcast and he talked about on the podcast, like, you know, how you really need clarity on what you're trying to do to, and then to be able to know what you're all about. And I guess what my question to you off of that is, as a as a hitting coach specifically like what are what are you all about like what do you are there is there something that you believe in from a, a hitting coach and i know again it's hit hit the ball as hard as you can like getting all that stuff but i mean is there like certain one two three that your philosophy is you know yeah i think that uh the, the 
some of the stuff that I talk about, I back way back in the day uh, when I first started doing camps and stuff, I actually talked about energy transfer hitting was kind of my deal. I want to try to create some energy that's going to be positive and efficient and then transfer that energy efficiently to the baseball every time with adjustability in, in uh, kind of work in there. So landing with balance, uh, you know, what does your first move do? The efficiency of the first move, the first move, actually the negative move, and then the first move going forward. Are you actually getting into a position that is going to be the best for how your body moves? Is it a long levered big guy that uses a big move? Man, big, big guys with big moves generally doesn't work when you're, when you get to the highest higher levels. Uh, is it, is it a, is it a leg kick that, um, you know, does a setup, does a setup allow for those first, first few things to happen to let, to be balanced, to land balanced, to, to have a, a negative move that doesn't take us over our back hip that actually keeps us efficiently in a strong base that we can land, get in a good position and then make it, you know, make that decision as we're starting to land our foot. Um, I think those things, especially for younger kids, uh, really for everyone, it's just that the older guys have been doing it for so many years. That is a, that's a big thing that what, what a hitter first does, I think is really important. Um, you know, does he rock back it over and pedestal on that hip and then have to fall down and find, figure out how to do that? Is he moving through the middle of his body, not just his core, but how his chest works and that type of thing? Um, is, is the backside kind of knocking out the front side and is he doing it in sequence? You know, the cool part about some of those things is that now we can measure. We talked about, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever, uh, even when I was really young and trying to do that as a player, remember going, uh, create it and transfer it, create it and transfer. I remember saying that, to myself all the time and and back then when I played yeah we had a hitting coach uh, but we talked so much more within our within our like framework of our, our of our team right so we'd say hey why are you doing this or how are you doing that and what you know what do you think of this drill and why do you do that drill and it was like player to player stuff and I think when we can get that type of stuff happening with player to player nowadays I think it's really huge like for you to come if you're a player and you come to me and say hey yeah, I saw what you were doing with, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. Why does he do that and why does he need that? That Those are the conversations, man, that I think are the best in the world because it came from a player derived from another player. And it's like, so there, he has instant value because maybe that guy rakes, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's like, and so much of it, if you look at so many of, uh, of what we're trying to get accomplished is, are you able to be in a good position at the start do you, is it a leg kick that rocks you back and gets you really off balance and has you land hard and move? Uh, or are you actually moving with efficiency so that first part of your swing can actually kind of have some soft entry into the, into the zone that allows for some adjustability as we go? So um, I think those things are huge. The first moves that we make, I think, are really important. They also are, they're, they're, they're hooked to how well we see the ball, I think. Um, you know, guys that chase, we want to tend to maybe look up guys, guys that, you know, you know, the strengths that that's a cool thing that we can have when, in, in pro ball and in college too, is all the data that we can look at and go, man, these are your strengths. If someone throws a ball with it and it goes over where you are really, really good, you need to make, you need to punish that ball. So it's a matter of how, how many times can you be efficiently ready to punish that ball? Yeah. 
you know, how many times can you make, can all the moves be natural and moving and loose and free and you're swinging effortlessly that allows that barrel to come through the, come through the zone the right way and hit it out front. Uh, the ability to hit a fastball is huge, right? Um, because, I mean, as you go up and everyone's throwing 94 to 97 now, especially coming out of the pen, you know, those things are, are, are really big. And, and those first moves you make helps with your, your pitch decision, your hit decisions. Are you actually making a decision to fire on that pitch early enough? Do you see it well enough to be able to do that? Are you, is there something that's blocking the ability to see it as, let alone what are they thinking, right? That, that deep breath that we take, the breath is such a big thing. And, and talk about, you know, I talk about trying to blow out all the, all the, all the fog and get everything out of the way that you need, that you don't need so you can get clarity on what's important when you're facing that, that arm. Um, you know, and then once you land in balance, it's about making the good decision to hit. You know, understanding what the game is telling us to do. What, what does the game need us to do? And then, you know, depending on the body size and the, the, the strengths and the, really the, not even body size anymore because guys are really put together. But can they leverage that baseball and, and, and square it up and compress that ball to hit that ball, you know, as hard as they can but as efficiently as they can. And if it's hit in the air, it's probably going to have some slug behind it. And if it's hit on the ground, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it gets through the infield. But it's, it's one of those things that all of it comes back to if you move well early on, you're at least giving yourself a chance, the best chance to be successful as you, as you are ready to go hit. And can you be ready for those pitches that you know you're good at and cover the other ones that you, you know that the game is going to throw your way at times? Yeah, and you, you just uh, said something not that long ago, like in that last uh, bit right there about the breath and how important – that is, and I was talking, I was talking, I've had a, you know, luckily I've been able to have a few bit different big leaders on lately, and they were talking about that and how much that helped them. And I, I, it was one of those things I heard about that. I heard people talking about that as a, as a player, but I didn't really buy into it or really understand it. And I, I now I understand and get it how that just, it makes you just present in the moment. I know there's other guys out there who have, who have said that, um, is that something that you will bring up to players that you work with? Like, hey, like maybe let's do the bread. Let's let's start implementing something to get you it intact. Absolutely. Now, I think I think almost all programs, uh, college and pro uh, organizations, talk about it for sure, right? So there's more to it too. Is it's like, I think everyone takes that breath now, right? But what are you trying to do with that breath? Are you actually are you being are you getting to the point? And you kind of said it. Uh, one of my favorite things to t talk about is be where your feet are at. I think that's one of the biggest things. And it goes for coaching. It goes for your family. It goes for hitting, pitching. You're, you have one job to do in the next five to seven seconds, and it is to do this and this and this with the game. Um, be present where you're at and you're with your family. Be present where you're at as a coach. If you are the low – when I was a New York Penn hitting coach, our New York Penn manager, I wanted them to feel like that this was their world. This was their major leagues, you know, to try to make it as important to them as possible and to make sure that the idea was I'm going to be present here. I'm not going to be out. You know, I know my family's got stuff going on over here. I got stuff going on back here. My agent, my, my teammate, my girlfriend, my whatever. Can you actually lock that down and starts in the dugout? You know, when we talk about the breath, but a lot of it starts in the dugout. 
and, and goes from that whole process. Are you paying attention to the game? And then letting that breath be that last little thing to kind of blow away that fog like I talked about so we can actually be ready to go, be where our feet are at, and understand that this what this guy may potentially bring to you. And then work your plan, let the plan work, do your thing. I think it's also tough because of the cell phone and people are always texting and tweeting and or these, these to these players. And so their attention is everywhere because there's someone who always wants something or tell them something. I think that was Anthony Iposi brought that up um, the other day when he was saying the same thing. It's, it's just, it's a different, it's not necessarily right or wrong or just their attention is everywhere. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot harder to just stay in that present moment now because of the telephone. Yeah. So let, you know, and there's time for all that stuff, right? There's yeah, time for yeah. that. It's, but, um, you know, I mean, MILB, every game now you, you can watch. So if there's someone that is your swing coach or whatever, they can watch. They could call you right after, right, right after the game and talk to you. They could do, I mean, I could do that with our guys if we, if that was a thing that I believed in. But it's, you know, there's so many things that it, it comes down to timing. And what's the timing of yeah. when people are talking to you? And yeah. is it, is it like you just went over four and some guy's calling you saying, why are you, why are you pulling off everything on every swing? You're, what do you, you know, and you're like, oh, great. So now my mind is right, racing, rolling into all that stuff. But, you know, the breath really helps. Um, I think journaling really helps, you know, actually writing down what, what happened. Why do you think it happened? That's something that I did as a player. I have, you know, I have every minor league pitch that I ever faced on paper, um, you know, and that kind of led me to the scouting and then into just the detail stuff with the guys. I love getting feedback from our players on what they felt, what they felt during the game, how, you know, them talking through a mistake that happened in a game. I, I chased a pitch. I did this or whatever. I need to get better. I wonder, I can't wait to get in the cage tomorrow. What, whatever it is. I think that helps put closure to the, to the piece of work that happened. Uh, and we're talking baseball, of course, here. But, you know, what happened in the game? Write it down. Was there something that pregame that helped you, hurt you, whatever, drill-wise? Did you like it? Did you, did you not like it? And then, hey, there's times you're facing Scherzer and, the, and dudes, right? Yeah. And you're, there's, only, there's times where only a certain thing is in play. A single to the opposite field might be the only thing in play for that night. And you went one for four that night, but you hit a bullet single to the opposite field and the guy threw a complete game and, and maybe it was whatever, two, one game. The thing that was in play that night was a base hit to left field. They should be good with, they should be happy about what happened there because you're facing a guy that is literally a dude. And, and that's, that's what gets hard because we expect to be great all the time, expect to be very good with what we do and expect to get hits and hit the ball hard and, and all that stuff. But sometimes you got to look back and say, well, okay, so what actually really happened here? Well, the guy was throwing 96 with a slider that was 89 and had absolute kind of depth on it that I just couldn't see that uh, out of the tunnel it was the same pitch and I was, I was in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that, hap- that is a real, real thing. And to have that actually be like written down by a player and understanding what's going on there I think is a great closure thing and a learning piece. So when they face that guy again or someone like him, he can go back and actually look at what, you know, what was there? How can I get better with it? What's really in play against this guy? You know, I think those things can be really, really impactful. And just the understanding of being where your feet are, I think all that stuff really can can dive into that process. 
when when you were as a player writing stuff down, would you wait till after the game or would you do it during the game? I did it during the game most of the time. And I tell you okay. what, I got all kinds of grief for it. All kinds really? of grief for it. Oh, yeah, from our players. Shoot, back then, no one wrote anything down. That's true. That's but true. I, but, but I, you know, just from watching some guys in, in that, that I knew did it, either in the in the minor leagues and or, you know, watching guys or listening to guys talk about how they'd write stuff down. And, and it was kind of our data collection, right? The stuff that we can now pull off computers and go, well, this, and here's your, here's your location and that type of stuff. What did he do to you? How did this guy throw against you? And what our, what our guys, when we talk about our minor league guys is you're going to see these guys. I think it's the giants that we see on every level. And now there's going to be, it'll be different now, but I think it's going to be more regionalized. So there's going to be more teams that we're going to see at every level. That means you're going to see them in low A and high A, double A and in the big leagues. And if you have, if you, instead of just knowing that, yeah, he was on that team, you have detail at bats and, and some knowledge and some information that can help you. And the first time you see him is, or your debut is against a guy that is nasty, but you've seen him for 16 at bats and you, whatever you've done against him, you at least have some background knowledge on him. That's going to help you in those at bats. So understanding that piece is, is big too, and helps you relax a little bit. And the, the breath is uh, just a piece that, you know, helps even further. Yeah. No, it's it's good stuff. That's you are right. I'm sure 25 years ago that that probably would have been taboo to be writing stuff down. Now it's like <laughs> you're like cool if you do it now, but I'm sure back then yeah, it was a little different story. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah put right. that one. Guy's hey, a head case. Yeah, yeah. It's got blown up. What are you writing on that one? Right, that right, right. Thing? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it is what it is, and it's just uh, when you're dedicated. I was I was just very. Once I started it, I loved it, and there wasn't I wasn't gonna go off it because I knew it helped me, and I knew it helped me with the at bats down the road. So, um, and there was times where I was a guy in season, and there were times where I was the I was the backup catcher and backup first baseman on team. So, it was like either way, I'm gonna be somewhat prepared to for what this guy has. So I I have an idea because we didn't have all the that stuff in front of us we just had our eyes and we had to we had to do our work in the dugout we had to do our work in the on-deck circle we had to get out there and do it and especially if you weren't that everyday player on some of the years I played you know to have even just a little bit of information it helps yeah well and speaking of stats I mean as a coach you actually uh said this before we started recording I feel like you you're the type of coach you have the advantage because you have the experience and you coached, as you mentioned, before any of the tech stuff was out there. And now you're, you know, constantly learning and growing and, and evolving as a coach. But you also have all that experience before the tech, too. So you have be- the, best of be- the best of both worlds. I mean, I, I was kind of the opposite of you where I had the tech starting out. And now, you know, now I'm learning to not need it, right? And you started out not needing it or not using it because it wasn't even there. But now you have it. So I feel like that that is way – I'd rather have it that way, the way you had it. I mean, just just the way that I, I see it and just it comes across. But, I mean, I think that's a huge advantage. Yeah, I think it's a – it's for the guys like myself who um, – I definitely have my inner nerd that will pop out there and then start diving into stuff and do some – some rabbit holes that we both been down right yeah. and it's like well what does that mean oh then we get there and then if that's happening we get out to here the cool part is for years you have to trust your eyes you know you go with what you got you go with you go with what what drills that you see other people do and why they do it finding out the why and is it important to what 
is the drill going to be important enough to him to to make a subtle change that is going to help him at 705? Um, and understanding that, hey, here's why. And if, whether you had the tech or, or now, we, you know, we didn't have the tech back then, now we do have the tech. No matter what you're dealing with there is the player still wants to know why. Like, why are you doing it? And number one, actually probably is, how is it going to help me, right? Yeah, yeah. If, you, if, if you can help me, man, I'm in. If you yeah. can help me become a better player or get to the double A or get to the big leagues quicker, I'm in. Um, so the ability to take, you know, a little bit of, of the experience with the eyes and, and uh, you know, the two years I was a bird dog with uh, Scott with the, with the Orioles too was it was big because I had to, I had to do reports. I had to, like, look at, look at the game a little bit different and then to be able to jump into coaching with the Marlins, it was it was uh, it really helped me a lot, and it helped me just understand you know different aspects of the game. That perspective we were talking about earlier, and yeah, the the piece of it now you now you get the technology, you get piece by piece by piece, and you're like, oh, we can use this to help not I don't know if I justify, but help actually measure the stuff that we knew or we thought we knew was going on before. And so that's, that's really, you know, the eyes, we all knew what a hard hit ball was, but now we can really measure it. We all knew the guys that got the ball in the air and we all knew that those are the guys that got a lot of hits. Right. Uh, but now we measure it and it's actually something that plays out as you go through, especially with slugging. So, you know, that type of process I think is, is, is great. The rabbit holes we can go down into now though are, <laughs> I mean, to find out why a guy strikes out and why he punches on this pitch or that pitch and there's the numbers, and now we go. Now we backtrack that, and we go right into some specific work that can help them get better quicker and quickly. Um, and they they realize it, and then they, it happens in the game. And the we we've all been there, the perfect storm where yeah. things happen, and boom, he goes and he faces that pitch and gets two hits off it that day, and it's like beautiful. Keep doing your work. Um, those things are, you know in terms of the years of experience and then being able to jump into the and jump into the tech space a little bit more and my curiosity through that space i think that's been it's been good for me for sure and i think there's a lot of guys that are kind of in that realm that or age group that i'm in that are in the same position that it's like it's a really it's kind of a cool thing yeah yeah that's good stuff man well, I really appreciate you coming on today. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. And I know, you, you know, you do, you've been on a lot of podcasts and you do, you, you give away, um, you know, a, a lot of your expertise and just time. So I really do appreciate it. And, um, you know, honestly, it's just, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, you know, one day, God willing, I'm able to stay in this game, um, you know, a long time, you know, when I'm your age, I, I want to be doing, be able to do the same thing and, and pass on kind of what you're doing with me now just given your time and um because you don't have to so i i do appreciate it and um you know i i see see you speaking all over the place i think it's awesome honestly just giving back to the game so just want to say thanks and um again hopefully maybe we'll meet up again hopefully next year abca <laughs> that would be great yeah no i hey i appreciate that and appreciate the words that it's it's one of the things that we you know we got to keep growing the game and uh, i love going to the abca it's going to be it's going to be weird. That's always the dates and the times that my wife knows that I'm going to be gone. And uh, to have it be digital, I don't know if I'm going to go to a hotel or something, just be locked in the whole time or what. But it's going to be, it's going to be different, but it's the, the quality speaker is still going to be great, and I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, thank you for what you do because, you know, 
there was a reason that I asked you if you, if you yeah. <laughs> because it, it was like, you know what, all the podcasts were starting to kick out and some of the stuff you're throwing out there, I thought was really good. And you just, you, you kept, you've kept giving back to the game too, man. It's been a lot of fun. And, and I, when I'm driving, when I'm doing stuff and I'm working out, a lot of my stuff is podcast stuff. So I appreciate all the work that you've done and how you've thrown it back to the game and uh, you know, keep doing your thing, man. I appreciate I it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for listening to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Make sure to go subscribe on iTunes so you can stay up to date on the latest trends and techniques being taught in player development. Until next week, hope everyone stays safe.